message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Alright, we'll get this party started. Because... Well, I have a lot of information to give you. I always like to give you a lot of Bible. I never want. I'd rather have you leave here full of Scripture, and you know, if you want to capture as much as you can, they have this ancient technique called taking notes. And if you have a writing utensil, they still make those. You can say, "Wait, Bible verses." And you can ah, okay. You don't have to necessarily get the the everything, but just grab those Bible verses, um, so that you can go and look at the Scripture and process it in your brain. So, let me pray so that uh, I get out of the way. All right. Uh, Good morning, Father. I am uh, just a jar of clay and broken at that. Uh, Just use this vessel for your glory. And may the Word of God be lifted up through the power of the Holy Spirit. May we understand it. And obey it, so you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We've got a lot to cover. Exciting, beefy stuff, juicy stuff. And here we go. I want to talk about something. I ca- I've labeled this crayon theology. And it's using theology as an excuse to not be responsible. And I'm going to use some demonstrations of that coming up. And, but I want to unpack a few things. And this is all coming up because, you know, on Tuesday, something's coming. First, I want to mention something that Christians always struggle with. And it's called pseudo-dichotomies. False separations. We separate things. I remember a few years ago, I was preaching on economics from church. Can you preach on economics from the pulpit? You certainly can. We're going to talk about stewardship today. But someone replied on Facebook, hey, you can't talk about those things from the pulpit. Why not? Because doesn't theology, obeying Christ, affect us in everything? Did you know your theology affects this? Right? What a nasty, full of receipts. All right. But anyway, <laughs> your the <laughs> what's that? They're called files. Files. That's right. Files. I like that. All right. One of those separations that don't exist in God's commands to His Christians is separating your religion from your politics. Because politics, people used to say you can't govern morality, but. It's just the opposite. The only thing a government can govern is morality, right? If you break into a store and steal something and the cops catch you, what are they going to book you on? Hey, we didn't, we didn't like that because we can't say stealing because that's from the Bible and that's a moral issue. No, they're going to get you because you were stealing. That's a moral issue, right? So that's all the government's supposed to be legislating is morality. But Christians can influence that. And we're going to look at that just quickly. But what I want to point out is you can't separate your following Jesus where you are with everything God has given, put before you to affect. Alright? And I'm going to unpack that. We want to watch out for real hope versus crayon theology 
Work versus worry, and I did a whole sermon on this, a whole sermon series on this a few months back. People say, oh, just don't worry about it. God's going to provide. You better get up in the morning, put your pants on, and go out there and make it happen. That's what it looks like not to worry. Alright? Worry does not mean, I'm just going to sit there and wait. That's, that's sin. Alright? Individual responsibility versus governmental provision. Anytime you go to a third party and go, more please, please give me more, you've lost your freedom. Period. You're becoming a slave. That's sin. You never look to somebody else to say, gimme. I don't want to go out and work. I'll just take gimme. Sin. Stop. Individual responsibility is where freedom is and where it only can live. It cannot list if you live if you look to somebody else. Understand? But you're like, how can I preach that? How can I preach that? Let's unpack this. Here's a pretty picture I made. Isn't that nice? Okay, look at this. I want you to imagine a house. The United States of America is a house. And in this house is all kinds of people. Um, and they're doing everything. There's lost people who are sinning. They're going to fight for a bill so they can start drinking on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Yeah! Right? And that's their plan. Yeah. Right? And then there's people, they, and then there's Christians in this group, and then there's people against the side of this house, and this is the structure that we've been blessed to be given 200 years ago that allows this level of freedom to take place from people being evil to people being good. People pursuing their dreams, people not pursuing their dreams. Right? People living in the responsibility and freedom they're given versus people who are just waiting and say, nah, gimme. Right? And they're all here. The concern is when I see Christians at the side of this house kicking at the walls. Christians! I understand the lost doing it because loss has no moral compass. Good is evil, evil is good. That's the that's their morality. And so they go to the walls, and whether they're outside kicking or they're inside kicking, and they just want to break the house down. They don't want individual responsibility. They don't want what's called freedom that our Constitution gave us. There is no country in world history that gave us a Constitution like America. No country in human history that said you have religious freedom. Now listen carefully to one of the platforms. They'll start saying worship, freedom of worship. And that's a slide away. That's not practicing religious freedom. Religious freedom means we can stand out on the street trick-or-treating and give people the gospel. In Russia, right now, we would have been arrested for that. Right now, if we were doing that in Russia, giving out gospels and telling someone about Jesus off to the side, we could be arrested for that. America's the only country currently where we can do that. But Christians are coming up to the sides of the wall and they're kicking it. And they're trying to break down the very freedoms this country has 
for dumb reasons. We should be, the Christians should be these people, and we have a double responsibility. Not only are we supposed to evangelize the lost, we're supposed to protect the house, keep the roof on, keep the walls painted, so that we can evangelize the lost people who want to drink at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Right? We want to keep those freedoms. So we got double the amount of work as the average goofball, because not only do we have to live in the freedom, we have to protect the freedom. We have to be responsible enough to know both and stop that person saying, no, we don't want the government to to give you something because then you lost a freedom. You're kicking in the walls of the house. Stop kicking in the walls. Now, my concern is this, is that Christians are kicking in the walls. And I'll explain how. First, they're doing it by crayon theology. See, individual freedom has been given to all in this country. Individual freedom. Laws were established to govern morals, like the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. Don't murder. Oh, that's bad? That's bad, right? Laws were established so the government would not dictate a state religion. When the Puritans came to this country, they were escaping England, which said, you will be Anglicans, or we'll burn you at a stake. You will be of the Anglican church, the state church. And they fled to America, the new country, so that a government wouldn't tell them what Christian religion they had, denomination they had to follow. Did you know that? Remember the Puritans and the pilgrims wearing those funny hats? Right? And no laws were established to determine or prevent the level of success and flourishing. If you want to sit on your butt and not go out there and provide for your family and make money, that's your choice. But the government is not, should not come in and say, well, then I'll just, I'll just cover it up. In a true free society, the level of success has no ceiling. If you want to become a billionaire, then go do it. And you know what? It's not a sin for you to go out and make a successful company. And when you become successful, you bring all these people with you and American society improves, right? When people rise up and become responsible. Right now, these things are all being eroded. Well, we all know that rich people must be bad and corrupt because that's the only way they could have gotten rich, right? I bet some of you believe that because of what TV has trained you to believe. That, well, they're successful, they're corrupt. Oh, okay, it must be, right? I'm not going to go any deeper into that because I have a lot to cover. Our current American Christian generations are confused by the freedom our country has created. As Christians, we should be the most aware and ready within our vocation to maintain our house as long as possible, even for the people who will abuse it. All right? Let's keep the house up Americans' freedom, the Constitution as it is, so that when people come in, even if they want to abuse it, we swoop in and evangelize them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them there's a better way. Here's an example of crayon theology. This is the thing that just is blowing my brain up. Okay, Here's a perfect example. Real power is not found in a flag, party, or country. It comes from a cross. Now, is that true? That's true. That is very true. Except how Christians are going to interpret that. Doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God's still good. Jesus is still in control. Uh, That would make you incredibly ignorant if it ends 
here. Because it does matter. How could we have a sermon here if there's a big hole in the roof and it's snowing onto the electronic equipment and it melts and burns it out? Okay? That would be absolutely irresponsible and show ignorance on the Christians if we didn't take care of this building. Same is true. It's the real power comes from the cross, but we better do our part to make sure that there's a flag and a party and a country to follow the cross in before it's against the law. Here's two examples of things that blow my mind. Two articles. Three reasons why Christians shouldn't worry about Trump, Hillary, and the election outcome. Four reasons Christians shouldn't worry about the election results. Right? And it's like, well, it depends on how you unpack worry. Let's take a look at this. I'm going to show you two platforms. I think you can guess. You know, in our country, we have two platforms. Let's look at some of them. I'll let you guess. I even removed the R or the P or the D, right? The Republicans and the Democrats. That's how I call them. I removed those from this. And let's look at these two platforms for a moment. Life and abortion. One column appoints judges who will support sanctity of life at all stages, opposes the use of public funds to perform or promote abortion or subsidize health care that includes abortion coverage. That's one party. The other party, appoint judges who will protect women's right to safe and legal abortion will continue battling the beep efforts to defund Planned Parenthood. To, in other words, they want to keep Planned Parenthood going so that when the babies are murdered, the parts can be stolen. I mean, sold for a profit. Okay? Can you guess which platform is which from that? Okay? One platform, I'll, I'm getting ahead of myself, marriage. The foundation, the foundation of a society is a husband and a wife. A marriage, the union of one man and one woman, designed by God. Or same-sex marriage is accepted and embraced and promoted. LGBT rights will be defended and championed. Championed. Let's push all forms of sexual immorality and say it's good. Here's another one. Religious freedom. I don't even know what the Johnson Amendment is. I wasn't paying attention. Full religious freedom at all times everywhere. Or will defend freedom of religion for religious minority groups in the Middle East, but not to mention the protection here in the States. Okay? This is where you're going to hear this one party say freedom to worship. In other words, you go in your box and worship, but when you come out, don't bring it with you. That is not freedom to exercise religion. That is slavery. That's socialism and communism. All right? Just those three, and we'll forget the rest. Now, there's only two platforms. One platform has an agenda to destroy you, to destroy the Christian, to hate the Christian's God. It has a planned out agenda of literally there's a checklist of everything God is for, they are against. That's their checklist. It's not like, well, that's your opinion. and Well, we can get along. We can't get along. Some people, the, one of them running for president right now, says a baby, if it's in a mama's bo- um, belly, 
It has no constitutional rights. So unless that child can escape the mother, it can be murdered because it has no American constitutional rights. And this woman said it on public television, and she doesn't see any problem with it. Now, we can do surgeries where we can take the baby out of the mother, fix the mother in an operation, put the baby back in. So did the baby have constitutional rights and then lost them again because they went back inside the mother? Right? The evil is so demonic, so twisted, right? And people applauded it. At the convention of this group, a Texan woman stood up and said, I aborted my baby because it was the best thing for me. And everybody applauded. Yay! Oh, yay! Right? Now, this is like out of a Stephen King horror movie. This is so evil. Which platform loves your neighbor best? Is this a leap for anybody? I hope not. Which platform loves your neighbor best? Because aren't we commanded to love our neighbor? Matter of fact, let's take a look at that. Uh, from Mark 12, 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Truly, which one is loving your neighbor the best? Okay? Is this really a leap? And I wanted to bring that up is because whether you like who's representing those platforms or not, one of them is at least pretending to not be an enemy of God, and the other one is outright an enemy of God and everything that the Bible stands for. We're talking Old Testament proportion evil. I mean, it's so blatant. It's so clear. And I hope you see that. All right? Here's where we're going to dive into some Scripture now. I gave you some of my platforming. But I want to back it up with Scripture, which is more important. God's called Christians. And this is rough. I can tell you trying to do this, it's a lot. And for me, this makes me cry. Because God has given us, for the men in this room, a lot to be responsible over. Which means we have to be good managers, we have to be good listeners, we have to schedule our time properly... We got to pay attention and we got to protect. We've got to look out for our family. And this covers a lot. And, we're, you know, I'm finding I have less and less time to watch TV because I'm too busy, right? We're all calling to grow up and be responsible for everything God has placed in your care. This isn't just the men, I'm speaking to the ladies, but I'm only speaking as a man. So, here's the first one. It comes right from the beginning. God commanded a stewardship right in Genesis chapter 2. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. See, work, keeping busy, not for busyness sake, but work is a gift from God. God's made everything, and you have a purpose. It's to love God, right? And to make disciples. But part of loving God is saying, okay, most likely you came here in a car. 
Got to keep that car running, right? We were having a conversation about keeping cars running, right? Um, I had another conversation about keeping the roof from leaking, right? All these things God has given us that we have to manage well. We have to manage our budgets to make sure we can take care of those things. We have to manage our time and our family to make sure they're getting appropriate attention and that they have the things they need. We have to manage what God has given us. Because name one thing you got that God didn't give you. Uh huh. So what that means is that everything you got is actually God's and you're not the owner. You're the steward. You're the manager of it. That car is God's car. And you're called to take care of it for Him. Okay? Same thing with everything you've got. You're called to manage it because God owns it. Right? God owns the molecules that hold that car together. Alright, so let's, let's broaden the horizon here. A command of stewardship of and for the church. Out of 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's Peter writing this, and as he writes it, he actually ends in worship. He's giving us this exhortation, orders, commands of what to do, and then he ends in and all glory goes to God, and dominion goes to God, because He owns all this. But He gives us these things in the church setting to edify the church and to help it be strengthened and to grow and to glorify God. Now, what about in your vocation? Vocation means job. The jobs God gives us to do, and the fancy term is vocation, and vocation, vocal, calling, right? Vocation, God has called you to something. That's your day job. And I want to start at verse 22 of Colossians chapter 3. And I added here verse 22, and let's look at it. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whoa! Could that be more clear? So when you go to work and you've just got the meanest goofball of a boss, right? Are you serving that boss? Are you working for that boss? You are not. You are serving this boss, the Lord Jesus. So that's why the gospel is important. For the gospel for the Christian is we yield to Christ. He's our boss. We follow him. So our eyes are on heaven as we go through earth. And everything we do is because of him and because we end up with him. And we have an inheritance waiting from him. 
He's our bonus package. He's our vacation plan, our PTO, meaning, you know, personal time off, right? It's Jesus, not our day job. But look how it encompasses everything. First, I want us to add bond servants because slave, that's doulos, which means slave. Slaves of the old, of the old times was more like employees not like slave-slave, like American Civil War slavery. It was more of a service. You were indebted, but it was still more of part of the actual economy. So the people weren't being whipped and beaten and all that nasty stuff. Matter of fact, you were actually kind of part of the family. More like Alice and the Brady Bunch. It was more like that. All right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go YouTube an episode. All right? <laughs> so telling them... Do it with sincerity and fear of heart. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's where we get our compass and drags us, pulls us through these things. Um, now let's talk about... I'm just going to take a moment to talk about government and then we'll be done. And I already had chopped this up, uh, so let's go. Roman in context. Paul's writing in the book of Romans while he's in jail from an evil dictator Caesar who liked to roast Christians in his backyard on a stick. Literally. And this is what Paul writes in Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Even Nero, the Caesar... Even Nero the Caesar, right? Even Hitler. Even Stalin. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Well, wait a minute. Those were evil people. They loved to kill Christians. The Romans loved to kill Christians. Okay? Now he's going to give you the theology of what a government's supposed to do. Not that they're necessarily doing it. Romans 13, 3 and 4. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear for the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on wrongdoer. Okay? That's what it's supposed to be. Even with a Roman government. Now, we don't have a Roman government. We have a government where the government's not supposed to tell Christians if they can bake a cake for moral people to celebrate in a moral celebration. Right? The government should have had nothing to do with that because they overstepped their bounds. However, and Romans 3, 5, Therefore one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. And of course, that's one of the reasons why Christians can't take up arms and go to the abortion clinic in Hagerstown and just, you know, stop it with weapons. We can't do it because God has ordained the government to carry the sword. So technically it's out of our power to use the sword to stop that great evil of child sacrifice. Um, help support God's appointed. And this is all about paying your taxes. It's part of God's plan. they got to eat too. And that comes from us. That doesn't mean necessarily taxes to death. 
But this is if it was healthy, this is what it would look like. And I'm not going to go into details there because we're running out of time. But uh, I want to get to this. Romans 13.9 For the commandments, here it is again, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see how all this is starting to connect? It's all coming together. Okay, last slide before communion. Here it is. As Christians, we must stand on higher ground and protect our house, our current government, from sliding into socialism, which is slavery and a culture of death. Because to, to hold on to our current government is loving our neighbors. To let it slide when God's given you an opportunity to not let it slide is not loving your neighbors. All right? Romans 3.10 Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So be a Romans 13, 13 Christian in the country you live. Now we're going to go to communion. Since I have laden you with a lot to think about. Next week won't be as deep, I promise. All right. As we prepare our hearts for communion and our, and our minds for what we see here at this table, I want to remind you of a few things. In uh, 1 Corinthians 11.27, Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And this is a warning from 1 Corinthians chapter 11.27. Where is your heart? How do you know this price? Do you know why Jesus died on that cross? Did you know this is the only thing that can get you right with God? You cannot bring in enough works and think you can do what Christ did. Right? In Christ alone, we sang that song. In verses 28 and 29, Let a person examine himself... Then and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For everyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak, as the scripture says, and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Take a moment. What sin, what part of the scripture offended you today? What do you know is not right between you and God? Take a moment to just talk to God yourself and get rid of it. Get right with God. Because we are going to celebrate the only action done by the only righteous man ever to walk this earth that can reconcile you and I to God. This is it. Now, this action doesn't save you. All this action does is it reminds you and it's part of being sanctified in Christ. This has no power in of itself but to prep your heart 
to remember what Christ did in your place. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakanddeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakanddeacon.com. Truth is here.